shuffled through the city on a fourth of July at a firecracker waiting to blow. Breaking like a rapper who was making his way to the cities of Mexico. Living in a apartment out on Avenue A at a tall on a corner of town. Had myself a lover who was finer than gold, but I've been broken, I've been busted up since. Love don't play any games with me anymore like she did before. Good afternoon, I'm Anthony Weiner, and thank you for meeting me in the middle. Two hours every Saturday at 2 o'clock, when we take some steps away from the hot takes of the far left and the far right. And we try to bring some context to the news of the week, or maybe find a subject or two that doesn't find its way into the middle of the conversation enough. Ava is on the board. Nick is taking your calls. Kevin is supervising. It's a beautiful day outside, a great day to be listening to WABC Radio. We can be heard on clear days like today and clear nights like tonight. You can hear us all over the country and through the use of technology, whether at the with the app or WBCRadio.com, all over the world. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. If you want to be part of the conversation, WienerWABC at Gmail has had to reach me directly. Wonderful day today. I did something that I never, I never do. You know, I am a New Yorker to my core. And kind of buzzing in the back of my brain at all times is efficient commuting. This is something I should take up with Curtis. Like I'm always thinking of, you know, understanding what the traffic flow might be. When is the bus the best thing to take? When should I take the bike, the city bike, which is a great mass transit option? And, of course, you know, trying to gauge, I take the Lexington Avenue line. And for non-New Yorkers, basically the subway lines run north and south on Manhattan Island with the exception of a couple that go across town. But basically it's like how far you are going uptown and how far east or west, depending on what train you're getting on. So I take the Lexington Avenue line, which is a line that basically runs up Lexington Avenue. It kind of runs up a park at some parts of it, but basically Lexington Avenue. And so I come from 14th Street and I'm going north and I'm always trying to figure out which express to get on so I can hop off for the local. We here at the studio are on a local stop. And today I did something different. I wasn't in a huge hurry. Jordan is spending the day with his cousins, had prepared pretty well for the, the show, was listening to WABC radio through the app. You know, I can get that down on the subway as well. And I said, I don't care. I'm just going to take the local. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to grab a seat, relax. And the local on the weekends also has this other benefit that it's all tourists. You can see how many tourists there are. And the train was full with people, you know, staring at their phones, trying to figure out their maps and things like that. And I just took it easy. And it reminds me of when I used to be in Washington. And my staff would figure out how to race me to the airport when votes were done so I'd get back home to New York. And then I was staying here as long as I could and then racing back. And at a certain point in my career, I'm like, I am just taking years off my life by rushing everywhere. And so today, I just took a deep breath, got on the local train, took my time. It was I saved maybe, I would always say like two minutes or something like that. And when I got here, um, Larry Kudlow was here and the crew was here. So anyway, I'm grateful to be here. And, I'm, and I, I have to tell you, that sometimes it pays just to stop for a moment and say, why am I rushing? Um, we don't have to always be in such a hurry. There is, though, a lot of news this week. They just has this sense that the political season has suddenly just dawned upon us. It was so sleepy, and now stuff is happening. Stuff going on in Washington. Joe Biden canceled some more student debt. Good for him. The Democrats and Republicans are still, at least some of them are negotiating 
this kind of omnibus deal that would do some border security, do some, uh, do aid to Ukraine, aid to Israel, aid to Taiwan, to, to uh, Taiwan. And I think that there is a reasonable middle in the country that wants to have this happen, but there is a fringe, mostly in the Republican Party, who's just threatening to undo Speaker Johnson's speakership. As it was, the government is going to be staying open because the Democrats bailed out Johnson, as I think they should. I mean, I don't, no one benefits when government gets shut down. And you heard earlier on uh, More Money with the Payne brothers how great the stock market is doing. Uh, Melania Trump's mom uh, passed away. We send our condolences to her. Donald Trump, interesting, Donald Trump and Melania went to the funeral in separate cars. Um, Jordan was listening to me um, go over some 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 news reports. And he says, oh, they're in the friend zone, he says in the background. He's learning these phrases. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. And, of course, um, we are into the political season now, right? We've got Iowa. Iowa's happened. And here's a prediction. By the time you hear me next, next Saturday, Ron DeSantis will be out of the race. As a matter of fact, he's already starting to sound like he is. You want to hear a guy that sounds defeated? Listen to Ron DeSantis talking to Hugh Hewitt earlier this week. Are you staying in through all of March's races? Is there any way Ron DeSantis drops out before the end of March? <laughs> Look, my my goal is to is, is to win the, win the nomination. Um, you know, we, if had we won Iowa, we would have been in a great spot. You know, coming in second gives us the ticket to continue. But uh, I, I I told my people this from the very beginning. I don't want to be VP. I don't want to be in the cabinet. I don't want a TV show. Uh, I'm 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 in it to win it. And at some point, you know, if that's not working out for you, like I re- I recognize that this isn't a vanity thing for me. So that. Does not sound like a guy who said the word yes when I said he's staying in through March. So he's going to get probably he'll be done by the end of this week. And by the way, you want to go back, play back the tapes at some point. I called it when it was DeSantis fever back in, I guess, I don't know, when he first got in middle of 22, maybe, maybe it was earlier than that. Everyone's, oh, you know, no one's talking about don't say gay right now. No one's talking about woke right now. I knew this wasn't going to stick because conservative Republicans, they, they don't understand all this. They don't, they don't care about beer. Who's trans people doing beer commercials or they don't like books being banned. Conservative people want smaller government. And and Ron DeSantis was all about like, I'm going to get involved in everything in everyone's life. And he frankly, on top of everything else turned out to be a lousy candidate. Um, But he's already talking about coming back in 2028. And so maybe we haven't heard, the absolute last of him, but it doesn't sound like he's going too much further. And next is Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley is kind of seems to have a, a New Hampshire or bust kind of strategy, which is a strange thing to say since South Carolina, her home state, comes out after that. But she's trying to do well. But what I don't understand, it seems to me, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222, we're doing a little punditry for the first hour. And by the way, if you're wondering, and I know a lot of people are, at 4 o'clock, after my show is done, we're going to have left versus right. And I don't know who it is that they're going to put into the ring against me. Now, some people think that John roughed me up. John was on the last couple of weeks. We had a spirited debate. But I I have made it clear. I've been walking around the studio saying, anyone they want to throw in, you want to put Greg Kelly in here for left versus fine. You want to put uh, Curtis wants to come back, fine. Whoever it is, I'm ready. Anyway, we're going to see who, who's coming in at, for, for left versus right. 
it is still they're still calling the show left versus right with Curtis Leo. So maybe it'll be Curtis. And if it is, he better be loaded for bear. But anyway, getting back to the punditry of the moment. You know, so so Nikki Haley is is in the race, but she doesn't seem to be terribly committed to winning. I mean, it seems like whenever she has an opportunity to point out that Donald Trump is, you know, that she should be the alternative to Donald Trump, that people who don't want Donald Trump in the Republican Party, that she's going to be there. She seems to be missing these opportunities. And she had she has more and more opportunities this week. So she was on CNN. She was being asked by Dana Bash. Now, if you can CNN is probably like it's a hostile. I mean, they're left leaning. CNN, she was asked by Dana Bash about the about the virtual incumbent in the race, Donald Trump, and some of the legal problems that were highlighted this week. And listen, tell me this doesn't sound like someone who is not prepared to really punch back. You're the only woman in this race. How do you feel about your party's front runner being held liable for sexual I mean, first of all, I haven't paid attention to his his cases, and I'm not a lawyer. All I know is that he's innocent until proven guilty, and when he's proven guilty and he's sitting in a courtroom, that's exactly what I'm talking about. You've got investigations on Trump and Biden. But a lot of and, people, forgive me, but a lot of people uh, in the Republican Party blow it all off and say that it's all a witch hunt and which is because what I he think says. some of the some of the cases have case been political. This one I haven't looked at, but look, if he's found guilty, then he'll he needs to pay the price. He needs to do what he's supposed to. Every one of these cases, they need to be heard out. He needs to defend himself. If he is found guilty, he's gonna pay the price. If he's not found guilty, then we move forward. First of all, I mean that was like in the annals of bad interviews. Both sides screwed up. Dana Bash doesn't didn't tell her, uh he's already been found liable for this. He's been found liable for sexual abuse. And and the and the the um and, 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 and the judge said the common phrase for it is rape. And then she's asked about this. She's the woman in the race, which theoretically is an advantage for her, right? And she has a chance to say what is obvious. It's out you know, look at that's outrageous. You can't I mean, my opponent did something that was outrageous. He's being held accountable. And good, vote for me. <laughs> but she couldn't even pull herself together to do that. And by the way, you might be thinking to yourself, hey, I, I you know, I, I, I listen to this is my favorite radio station. I listen to it all week. People thumping their chests about how I mean, I heard Sid this week. Donald Trump kicked butt in Iowa. Really? Did he? Did I count wrong? This is the incumbent Republican candidate, as close to an incumbent as you're ever going to get. The guy still claims he should have, he was the president, and so many people in the Republican Party uh, um, agree. In the most conservative primary, one of the top four or five most conservative bedrock Republican primaries in the country. And half the voters said no. Half the Republican voters voted for someone else. That to me is a sign that this, that, that, that is a real sign of weakness. I mean, the, the way to probably look at this is look at this as if Donald Trump is indeed an incumbent. He acts like an incumbent. His party treats him like the incumbent. He's the head of the Trump party. Anyone who does anything to cross him changes their mind an hour later, right? You've got Ted Cruz out there saying, I'm with Donald Trump. This guy, Ted Cruz is Wife was called ugly, like was called ugly by Donald Trump. And, and Donald Trump called his father 
a communist sympathizer. And Ted Cruz is out there licking his boots. So this guy is in charge of the party. He has more name recognition than anyone alive. Right? He's basically the Republican incumbent. In 1968, when Lyndon Johnson only won 48% of the vote in New Hampshire before Iowa was going first, the first primary, he decided not to even run. Gerald Ford in 1976 got 49% of the vote. It was exactly the same amount that Trump got in Iowa, and it looks like what he's polling at in New Hampshire. He lost. 1992, H.W. Bush got 58% of the vote in New Hampshire Republican primary, and ultimately he lost. You can't lose half. Your primary, you lose half. That is a lot. And if you look at where he lost it, I mean, if you if you look at how he lost it and where he lost it, really bad news for Donald Trump. He's losing in suburbs. That's where he lost to Biden. He's losing among college educated. That's where he lost to Biden. So when you look, we finally have some votes. Obviously, it's not both parties. It's it's some independents, but mostly not. And you want to talk. Oh, I keep hearing, well, people are so enthusiastic for him. Really? The turnout was way down from 2016. What are those numbers? I think it's like a third. The caucuses were this year about 110,000. In, in, in 2016, 187,000. 70% higher. Not a lot of enthusiasm. Now, why is that? It was a billion degrees below zero or whatever the hell. It was freezing, no doubt about it. But there were some other things going on. You had Donald Trump giving these boneheaded speeches, how we have this locked up. He said in Iowa on Sunday, we we have so many votes, we don't even have to be here today. This is his closing argument. And what else does he do? Donald Trump, the guy who's the Republican standard bearer, who's going to win the primaries. I'm not saying he's not. He goes around bragging about his instrumental role in overturning Roe v. Wade. If he has said the sentence, I did it, and I'm proud to have done it five times, he said it 20 times. That's going to be in every ad all over the country. So if I'm Nikki Haley, first of all, I run the race to win, which she doesn't sound like she's doing. But you know what else I do? If I have $1 left in in my bank account, I stay in it, and I stay in it, and I stay in it. Because who knows what's going to happen here. And the other thing is, Donald Trump sounds like he's losing it. I mean, I know we, we both these guys are old. You know, I'm thinking of doing a podcast. So I do this podcast called The Middle Unplugged. I think this week I'm going to do it on the 25th Amendment. You know how we all woke up and learned about the 14th Amendment? The 25th Amendment is the one if the president's incapable of doing his job, how he gets removed. It's never been used. Let's Let's see. It's section four, I think, is where they, it's this process to get. You want to hear this? Listen to this. This is the guy who only got 50% in the Republican primaries up to now. He's polling at about 50% in New Hampshire. Basically, the, the, the shoe in to be the nominee for the Republicans and the standard bearer, the guy that everyone talks about in the Republican party. This, is a, 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 from a rally, I think, last night. This is Donald Trump. By the way, they never report the crowd on January 6th. You know, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley 
You know, they, did you know they destroyed all of the information, all of the evidence, everything? Deleted and destroyed all of it. All of it. Because of lots of things. Like Nikki Haley is in charge of security. We offered her 10,000 people, soldiers, National Guard, whatever they want. They turned it down. They don't want to talk about that. All right, now you're not going to... I wonder if anyone's even made that in the cut here at the station yet. You're not going to hear a lot about that on conservative radio. You're not going to hear a lot about that on Fox News. And in a matter of hours, I bet you Donald Trump has some explanation about how he confused, why he confused Nikki Haley with Nancy Pelosi. Not once, not twice, but four times. I mean, look, you want to have the gaffe Olympics between him and Joe Biden? Like I said, both these guys are too old. I did a whole episode saying I wish there was a constitutional amendment putting an age limit on this stuff. But if I'm Nikki Haley, you gotta, you've got to fight like you want to win. And a poll just came out showing that her beating Joe Biden, and frankly, we know that Donald Trump hasn't beaten him. And I just want to remind you, my dear listener, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. I want to remind you of something. In 2016, the national popular vote went for the Democrats against Joe Biden. Against um, Donald Trump. In 2018, a historic sweep by the Democrats taking over the House and the Senate. In 2019, the midterms in places like New Jersey and Virginia, a sweep for the Democrats. In 2020, obviously, Joe Biden beat um, uh, uh, Donald Trump by a comfortable like nine, nine million mo- uh, vote margin. 2022, when the Republicans were supposed to have every advantage in the book, red wave, red wave, red wave. And there, it basically was fought to a standstill and an acknowledged loss by the Republicans. Since Donald Trump has come onto the scenes, the Republicans have won nothing, nothing. And if I am Nikki Haley, and I'm not, but if I'm running this race to win, which I thought she was, now is the time to get serious. And we'll be right back on The Middle. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com.
And welcome back to the middle. I wrote down all the music for today. I think that's the Recontours. I think, I think it's the, the guy from the White Stripes. That's steady as she goes. Um, I do want to point out that I do a podcast. It comes out Wednesday, middle of the week. Get it? The Middle Unplugged. This week, um, I did a first look at the Iowa. I didn't spend a lot of time on the Iowa results like I did today. A little bit of that. Also, I looked at this program the federal government has started offering states extra money to be able to give for food, uh, food to feed kids that usually gets that get their meals at school. In the summertime, there's a spike in hunger in our country. And so there's this program to provide states with more money to provide food assistance for people who are food insecure and hungry over the summer. And there are a bunch of states that are saying no to that money. And I talk a little bit about that and I explain it and also talk about what's going on in Davos. It's a little bit, it's, it's a kind of an economic catch up. And, um, in it, I, I wanted to acknowledge the work of Joel Berg, who is someone that works for an organization called, I think he runs it called, um, uh, uh, Hunger America, ending hunger America. Oh my God. I'm just screwing everything up today because I, I printed out my notes and then didn't bring them with me. Um, hunger free America. So I encourage you to go take a look at that and also download the podcast. So we're talking a little bit about the, uh, what's going on. In, in addition to it getting close to the end of the primaries, I know you're thinking, oh, it's just started, but basically it's now just down to Nikki Haley and Donald Trump. The vice presidential sweepstakes is in full throated, you know, shouts. You've got. You've got the, uh, 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 Senator Tim Scott from from South Carolina, who uh, you know people are like, who's he going to endorse? We knew who he was. He's not going to endorse Nikki Haley. If he was going to he was going to get out of the way for Nikki Haley, he would have done that a long time ago. But but he's from South Carolina, African American. I, I I said months ago that I thought he was campaigning to be the vice president. Let's see. so he 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 endorsed um, this uh, Stefanik from Upsilis Stefanik, who. Um, who has been doing everything possible to try to show her credentials, including when asked about the the sexual abuse that Donald Trump has been found by a jury to have committed, you know, asked for a comment on that. It's a kangaroo court. It's a hung. It's a uh, it's a, 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 a witch hunt. I don't know who she thinks these these men and women are on these on, on that jury, but he's already been found guilty of that. That's the other thing. Dana Bash didn't point it out. I played that clip. Dana Bash didn't point it out. He's already been found. He's been found liable for that. That happened. Now it's just a matter of how much he's going to pay. So everyone's you Here's the thing I don't understand about the vice president sweepstakes. The vice president, Donald Trump's literally, not figuratively, literally called for, 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 um, his, his, his crew to go kill his last vice president. His last vice president, they were making gallows on the steps of the Capitol to hang Mike Pence. Why would, who would want that job? <laughs> who would want that job? But they're already lobbying for it. We'll see. I don't really, ha- I mean, I, I can't get into the mind of Donald Trump, but I bet you he wants someone who's like Stefanik in that she won't ever say anything that expresses a, a thought in her own head. But, um, I think it's probably, it's probably, you know, it's interesting. I, I don't think that he's a resident of New York anymore, so we could choose a New Yorker. But I think it might be that South Dakota governor. Seems like it makes a little bit more sense, more style, I think. I mean, 
like like I know. All right, let's let's get to some calls. 800-84-WABC, 800-848-9222. By the way, at the top of the hour at 3 o'clock, I'm going to switch up a little bit and talk about the report that came out about what happened in, in Uvalde. Um, the Justice Department came out, and and you might have seen some of the reports about that. N- not a lot of surprises if you've been following the thing, uh, but just how poorly it was handled by the law enforcement that were on scene. But let's go to some uh, uh, some calls. First, let's go to Chris in the Catskills. Chris, uh, you think Stefanik is a good choice? Yes. Good afternoon, Congressman Weiner. I well, I'm just reporting and giving analysis. I, I'm I'm a Democrat like you are. Um, perhaps maybe a little more of a moderate fiscal conservative side, but I'm a huge fan of of your work on the radio. I, it was reported in the Albany Times Union newspaper a week ago that Elise Stefanik was going to be his choice. I think unbeknownst to Trump, that's an excellent strategic move. Trump is doing it because of her loyalty. She'll she'll stand behind anything he says or does. But hear me out on this. There's going to be six or seven close House of Representatives races in Congress through New York, especially after the redistricting takes place in the next four or five weeks. And Elise Stefanik is more popular than Trump is in the Empire State, statewide throughout New York. So she's actually going to produce a down-ballot effect and help turnout in all six of those congressional races. Wait, why? But hold on. But let me stop you on that, just to question the premise. I don't know who downstate can pick Elise Stefanik out of a lineup. Downstate aren't the the close races are the Molinero district. Now, word on the street is I know uh, Congressman Pat Ryan. No, I know where you're from, but what about Nassau and Suffolk? Well, so there's going to be two races in play downstate, perhaps. I think Swazi's going to win. So the Swazi race, you know, statistically, numerically, it's in play. And and I and the Nicole Maliotakis is is in theory she might get redistricted to have a tougher no race. no no they they they're not going to do that I think they they learned their lesson thank you Chris for that analysis I, I don't I mean maybe maybe Elise Stefanik usually you choose a vice president to bring you at least her state his or her state at least that's the bare minimum entry entry point um, to get even in the conversation and she doesn't achieve that. And I'm not saying you always do it. I'm not sure Lloyd Benson didn't do it. Uh, Al Gore did not do it. I'm not saying it always works, but that's at least the theory. So I don't know. Let's go to Jason in Jersey. Hey, Jason, welcome aboard. How you doing? Well. So i just like to point out, you say that the, the race for the Iowa caucus was uh, close, 51%. But that's the first time in history that any Republican has gotten 51%. And it blows it's it's record breaking. So Trump actually did set a record with this, which is I think is pretty significant in that in the Iowa caucus uh, history. Well, but I, I, I read you some of the other precedents when you only when you lose 50 percent of the voting. Trump is not a typical candidate. You've got to treat tr- Trump for the purpose of our conversation. Jason is an incumbent. Right. You've got literal Republicans who say he's my president. He never left. You've got people in the party who just just for the having the audacity to endorse someone else is probably going to get thrown out. Like the head of the Freedom Caucus is probably going to lose his seat because he endorsed DeSantis. I mean, the bottom line is the most informed 
conservative voters in the Republican Party, and half of them voted against Donald Trump. So record schmeckered. I don't know, you know, when you compare it to to how how past incumbents have been treated, you can't treat him like he's a regular guy. He's not. And so, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, think about that. Months and months and months, these voters in Iowa, they meet everyone, they see everyone, they get in there, and it's not a liberal state. Sure, it has some suburbs and it has some things like that, but it's a conservative state and it's a bellwether. Well, according to that bellwether, half the Republicans want someone else. And look at the data coming out from from New Hampshire. There was a poll out just this morning, 52-36. He's crushing Nikki Haley, right? Yeah, except 48% are saying no. Aren't you concerned about that, Jason? No, not really, because in the grand scheme of things, we know there there are people in this country that hate Trump. They wouldn't vote for Trump. They'd vote for a ham sandwich over, over Donald Trump. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, the best thing for this country at this point is Donald Trump. Because he's going to bring bring this economy back. He's going to bring the jobs back. He's going to shut down the border properly, and he's going to secure our country, which we need. That's a great – listen, that's a great campaign speech, and that's the substance of his claim, and that's why people vote for him. My point is that, you know, we talk all the time about who decides um, elections, national elections. Moderates, suburban women in a handful of states, in places like – Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, blah, blah, blah. We know them all. We know Arizona, all these different things. So here you are. We didn't realize that he had a problem among Republicans. That's news to me. That's news to me that he has that much of a problem among Republicans that 50% of them are saying, now I want someone else. That, to me, is a sign of weakness. And one of the things a lot of my friends say to me when they talk about Donald Trump versus Joe Biden, look at the enthusiasm gap. Really now? A much, much less 70 percent reduction in turnout in Iowa. He only gets 50 percent of the vote. And now with that big bump he got out of Iowa, it looks like he's coming in at about 50 percent of New Hampshire also. I don't know. Where's the where's the big enthusiasm for 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 that candidate? I just think that the, that these know now again, I am not going to change my position. That this is a Biden-Trump final. I don't change that. That's what's going to happen. And my candidate, Joe Biden, he's got his problems as well. No, no doubt about it. But you don't have half, you know, half, half the, 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 the electorate in a Democratic state would not say no to him. That's certainly not going to happen. So we've got lots more to come on the middle. We At the top of the hour, we're going to switch it up a little bit, talk about the report that, about Uvalde, go back and revisit the issue of guns in our country. And then at 4 o'clock on left versus right, uh, Curtis Sliwa, I believe, will be coming in. I don't know. They may just try to bum-rush me with the whole coup. They've got Snurdly in here. They'll get Greg Kelly in here. They'll get Rudy in here because that's what it takes. Because I'm ready for campaign year 2024 here on the, the opinion station, the news station, the greatest station in the nation, 77 WABC Radio.
Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner. I'm Anthony Weiner. That's Alien Ant Farm doing Michael Jackson's um, Smooth Criminal. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. WienerWABC at gmail.com. And so who would want to be vice president for this? He'll throw, he'll throw you under the bus in a minute if you if you don't go along with one of his schemes. But we'll we'll see what, what happens. Remember, it's a lot's going to happen. Candidates are going to... Are going to go up and down. But here's what I would just remind all of you. If you're trying to figure out how to read the polls, if you're trying to figure out how to read results, the place to always start, the single greatest determinant of future results is past things. Meaning you can tell where a candidate, how a candidate is going to do to some degree by looking the way they've done in the past. And we have an opportunity now that we don't have to look very far in the past to get a benchmark for how American voters view this race, Biden v. Trump. We only have to go back three years, approximately three years. And so then the question becomes, well, how much did things change? Was there anything dramatic that might have led people to say, I, which is a tough thing to get them to do, say, I made a mistake. I should not have voted for Joe Biden over Donald Trump. Or in the alternative, I shouldn't have voted for 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 Donald Trump over Joe Biden. And so let's look at the last several years. You've had stuff going on in the economy? Yep, for sure. You've had stuff going on overseas? Yep, for sure. But these two same people are going to be on the ballot, right? So did Donald Trump do anything to improve his standing among well-educated suburban women where he got crushed by Biden last time? Well... You had the overturning of Roe v. Wade that he glows around and gloats about. You've got him being found guilty of sexual violence against a person. And he continues to talk about He continues to call attention to it by showing up in the courtroom where he doesn't have to be. You've got 91 counts. And just to make it clear, if anyone didn't understand that, that's 91 different individual crimes that he's been accused of, that he can be convicted 91 times or one time. Okay? So in case anyone doesn't understand what 91 indictments means. So that's happened. So does he show any signs of, like, having a strategy to grow in those places? doesn't seem that way. I mean, it doesn't seem that way. 
Does it seem like he wants to turn down the volume a little bit on the debate around choice? <clears throat> he, he brags about it. Does it seem like he wants to seem a little bit more sensitive to the, to, to the issues that he lost pe- a lot of people with last time? Doesn't sound that way. And Nikki Haley's there to kind of say, all right, I am going to try to do some of these things, but she doesn't do it all the way. Well, for sure, in a campaign, Biden has a bunch more money than Donald Trump does. For sure, in a campaign, that's the, they're, they're going to be highlighted. So you should be thinking, if you want to try to predict what's going to happen in 2024, you should be thinking what happened in 2020. Because that's our baseline. That's where it starts. And what are the things that might have changed it a lot? And I think these are kind of, I think people are, are viscerally locked in. So many Americans are viscerally locked in on where they are in these things. By the way, another interesting thing that came out, I can't remember where it was. I think it was the New York Times. There was an exit poll uh, out of Iowa. No, 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 it was a New York Times poll. Something like 30% of the respondents said they didn't believe that Donald Trump was going to be on the ballot. They just can't believe, they just don't believe it. Or they're not paying attention. So they hear all these court cases. And they go, so, you know, so again, things might change, but I don't think they're going to change much. So let's talk a little bit more about politics. Let's go to Jesse in Nashville. Is that Nashville, Tennessee, Jesse? Yes, sir. Tony Hot Dog. Welcome aboard, and, Jesse uh, Nashville. Thank you. Um, great show. Before I get into deep into politics, we talk about all of these certain issues. There are certain issues that are never brought up, like race quotas and legal immigration. Those would be winning issues for Trump, but he is not bringing them up for certain reasons, and he's being told not to. Unfortunately, he's going to lose a lot of votes, especially out in the Midwest and the rest of the country, where millions of Americans who are conservative but don't vote because they feel the Republican Party does not represent them, that's where a, that's where a, a gold is, a gold mine of votes is now if affirmative action is discrimination we know that and people will not really bring it up politically then i have suspicions establishments still running the country now just now uh, uh mr weiner you you fought against walmart new york city is that the reason why you have the job now at wabc radio is a gift for mr katsimatidis yes exactly that's exactly why i have the job not because i'm brilliant not because I'm a good foil, not because I'm articulate, not because I've got experience from being in Congress. I got the job because one of the things I campaigned on was I, I thought that um, Walmart should offer insurance for its workers. Look at this. They have that Walmart should not squash the, the shopping strips of every town they go into. And um, I also believe that they're they they used to be bragging about how they all their products were made in the United States of America. Now that you don't have those flags in the aisle anymore, that they've been buying more and more products in in China. And I would rather pay a couple of bucks more for my blue jeans than uh, empower workers in China. But I think, Jesse, I really do appreciate how how close you got to getting the truth about how I got this great gig here at WABC. Let's go to uh, Al and Yonkers. Hey, Al, how are you, sir? Good, Congressman. Uh, good, good afternoon. I just wanted to say in regards to a short list for VP with President Trump, uh, if he's the nominee, uh, first, he's got to be comfortable with the person. And I agree with you. Uh, you got to pick a person who's going to help you 
get to that 270 uh, plurality in the electoral college to pick off a state. Somebody like Wisconsin, possibly a Ron Johnson. I'm not saying it's going to be him, but I agree with you. It's not going to. I don't think it would be the upstate congresswoman Stefanik because uh, a, a, a Republican hasn't won uh, New York since '84. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I mean, Stefanik would be about women. Right. He wants to have a woman on his on his ticket. I think there are other women that can achieve that. Plus, you know, I mean, look, does it really matter? I mean, we've we've now we go through this every four years. We have very few things that actually like news things that happen during campaigns. Right. You have primaries where there are votes and people like me talk about what happened in the votes and you have debates. They happen much later. And then then you have big then you have like new faces that are introduced. They usually don't hear about cabinet officials that left you're elected. So you hear about a vice president. So that becomes a big thing. But historically, it doesn't seem to have all that much determinative effect on the election. I will say it's going to get a little bit more attention this time because of the outsized role that the vice president played in, in the, in the insurrection and the outside role that he played in the conspiracy to overturn the results of the election. You know, he's Pence, the vice president. We're going to be talking about who Trump chooses to be as vice president. His last vice president is going to be on the stand testifying probably during the campaign. So I think there's going to be a little more attention to vice presidents in general. Um, but let's remember something. They don't have any power. But I got to tell you this. And I, I mused about this at the top of the, at the top of the episode. I think we're gonna, I am actually gonna do this. I think I'm gonna do an episode on the 25th Amendment. I guess I'll do it for the podcast, The Middle Unplugged. No one's looked at the 25th Amendment in a long time. You have two very old presidents, okay? Two very old presidents who have shown signs of decline. You've got the, you've got Donald Trump thinking Nikki Haley and Nancy Pelosi are the same person. You've got Joe Biden, who even when he's making his most passionate speech sounds like like mumbles from the Dick Tracy cartoons. I mean, uh, I I think that there's a real we should have a real conversation about well what happens if in the course God forbid something happens to either one of them but God forbid something happens what is the way that these guys can be replaced and that's the Twenty Fifth Amendment I have to look it up I think it's Section Four of the Twenty Fifth Amendment. But that is something that we're going to have to revisit with these two guys uh, for sure. And we'll be back to wrap things up for hour number one. Hour number two, we're going to talk about the report that came out about Uvalde, just to be reminded about that from 2022, the shooting at Robb Elementary School. So great to have you along. One line is open, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. I'm Anthony Weiner. We'll see you on the other side of the break. to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC.
So welcome back. That's Murder on the Dance Floor. Sophie something something something. What is it, Ava? Sophie something. No, he's he's the one who, who he mixed that, but he, he mixed that mix. Anyway, Sophie Tucker, Sophie something something. Anyway, so we're wrapping up a little bit some political talk. Iowa is done. New Hampshire, if you want to call and give me your predictions for New Hampshire, I think it's going to be about the same as Iowa was, like 50, 50 for Trump and 50 for everyone else. I think he's basically liked by half the party. Not good. Um, but I could be wrong. Chris in Long Island, what do you think is going to happen? Anthony? Hi, Chris. Hey, buddy. Uh, first of all, you've been duped. That guy from Nashville is the famous Steve from Manhattan. Who just uh, I thought always... so. I thought yeah. so. You know what? You know what gave it away? He he said his Tony own. Wiener. He said his, right, Tony Hot Dog, plus he said his own name at one point. The name he's been using, yeah. whatever it is, yeah, whatever it's gonna be. I'm I'm not as good as catching these guys as the as the guys who have more experience. But anyway, Chris, what do you what do you think is gonna happen um, in, in this election? Okay, Anthony, the biggest uh, thing that you could follow is trust me on this: the gambling sites. Forget the polls, forget everything. Look at the gambling sites. Okay, very important. Biden was favored to beat Trump back in 2020. I followed them up until the end, and Biden won the election. Okay. Follow the gambling sites. Biden was ahead of Trump up until about two months ago. And now Trump has taken over, okay, in the gambling sites. It's very important. I think you should follow them. It, it means way more than the polls. Yeah, I do. And, and Chris, I have, a th- I have a theory that they're reliable as well because, it's again, it's the, it's, the, it's the wisdom of the masses. The only problem with the gambling sites at this point is there are too few participants, because they're so obscure, like there are gambling sites that are overseas and then ones like predicted here in the United States. But if you look at how many people are actually wagering on those sites, there's too few. If they had a real, it was like Bet MGM or something like that had, you know, had it listed and you had millions of people putting in their inputs, then I would respect a little more. But even the, even those sites are saying something like 51 cents if you bet on Trump, uh, you know, which is not. You know, and it's not like seventy thirty for one of them. So I, I mean, yes, I I I agree with your theory. And for those of you who are unfamiliar, Chris points out that there are sites that, that there's a theory of of the the laws of large numbers that if you get enough input from enough people, that you basically get pretty close to the truth. I was actually uh, texting with with John Katsimatidis about this this week. You know, the idea that maybe someday AI is going to be be so good, these big models are going to be able to predict. But up to now, I find that the the the, the gambling sites just don't have enough people. But would you agree with what the gambling sites are showing you, Chris? Um, I tend to do it. Like I said, last time they were they were right about Biden winning in 2020. All right. And they had him winning by a little bit. They almost called it right on because they're in the um position of they need money on both sides so they have to that's how gambling works and they make their money on the big well so, wait a minute wait a minute no but that's a you know it's a little bit different in this case because there is no there is no one in the middle that is shaving the odds this is a straight up who thinks is going to win basically it's like a bid and a put it's like a, you know how much but look i'm going to tell you something you know what else was right on the polls the polls in iowa were exactly right the polls nationally last time were just about exactly right you know, if you you want to talk because it's the polls that are feeding the the betting. So if the polls say one thing, if if you ever get a big divergence in those two things, 
then I think you might be onto something. But I appreciate your calling, Chris. That's an interesting way to look at this is if you want to find – there's a couple of things you can look at. You can look at the polls. You can look at the gambling sites. Or you can shred all of that stuff, put it in the shredder, toss it out, and just listen to me from two to four. And because I will tell you what I saw, I saw the undoing of Ron DeSantis long before it came. And you're going to go back and you're going to see that I, I, I'm reading these Iowa results right, not Sid and these other people say, oh, my God, record-breaking victory. And when we come back for hour number two, we're going to talk a little bit about the report that came out about what happened to Rob Elementary School in 2022. You won't hear me say the name of the shooter but I will point out some things that I think we might have forgotten about that because the Justice Department came out with their big report. And then at 4 o'clock, yes, I've just found out Curtis Lewa is here for the weigh-in. He's going to be joining us for Left versus Right. we got a lot to talk about the official beginning of campaign 2025, which might include my friend Curtis Lewa. And if you're not careful, it might include me as well. 77 WBC Talk Radio, the best talk radio in the nation. We'll see you on the other side of the break. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. Welcome back to the middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. So great to have you along. It's a little bit overcast here, freezing cold. Not a day to city bike to work if you're someone who bikes to work frequently like I do. That's Marshall Crenshaw bringing us back in. We're talking a little bit about politics today. I, I did owe you a brief update on a couple of things that I promised to keep you up to date on. If you have been wondering, when is the Robert Hur, who's the special prosecutor who is investigating the Joe Biden handling of classified documents, he did announce at the end of the year there wouldn't be any criminal uh, charges brought. But what's that report coming out? Good grief. He had far fewer documents. It was in only a couple of places. His lawyers turned them over. There's got to be a report coming out soon. What is going on? So these special prosecutors, you, we, we, everyone has some complaints about them, but I wish he'd hurry up already. Impeaching Mayorkas, that was on the agenda. They were going to have a hearing. Mayorkas was, uh, couldn't make it at one date. He offered them a couple of dates. And so the House Republicans said, changed our minds. We're not going to have any hearings with Mayorkas. We'll just do things behind closed doors. Speaking of behind closed doors, Hunter Biden looks like he is going to be sitting down with, with the committee behind closed doors. But I think they have promised him he's also going to get a public hearing. So that continues afoot. Anything else going on? Looking at my notes here. Anything else? Hunter Biden, that's basically it. That's kind of the legal stuff going on on Capitol Hill. I would give an update on all the stuff going on in the various Joe, uh, uh, Donald Trump cases. You heard in the news break at the top, the woman who was in the district attorney in, um, in Georgia is having, it looks like he's, she's, she's traveling and going on vacations and sharing 
expenses with this guy that she hired to do the prosecution. I, I get all of this stuff except how it impacts the cases. Someone has to explain that to me. It looks bad. That's for sure. But I don't know how it impacts someone. I need a lawyer. I need like an Arthur Idala to, to come and tell me how it impacts those cases. Um, but I did want to point to talk a little about a, a report came out, you know, in 2022, Rob Elementary School, 77 people were killed. 77 minutes, rather. 21 people were killed. 77 minutes. That's how long it took after the time that the shooter bega- it, it took went into that school and started shooting kids to the time they actually law enforcement moved in and started to do something. This big report that came out, 600 some odd pages. I didn't read all of it. I just read the summary. Hundreds of interviews, thousands of documents. And what they came down to was not that dissimilar to the investigations that they had done in the state of Texas. Basically, it was treated like a barricade standoff when it was actually an active shooter. Now, one of the things that just melding the substance with the politics, because the politics is never too far away from this, because these are laws that have to be passed to hopefully make us safe from things like this happening again. It's worth noting that that's the state of Texas. Three days after that happened, Ted Cruz, who's by the way, is up for re-election this year, he goes to a meeting of the NRA. They didn't cancel it. They, I think they postponed it a couple of days. And then three days later, this is what Ted Cruz had to say while they, before they'd even buried all the victims. This is what he had to say. Ultimately, as we all know, what stops armed bad guys is armed good guys. Now, the only problem with that, well, there's lots of problems with it. One, it's insensitive. But the fact is this was one armed bad guy and dozens and dozens of armed good guys. Dozens and dozens of law enforcement with weapons. Um, And what they were afraid of, well, you know who, who, this is a cut. This is one of the attorneys for the families who is trying to get the Texas legislature and Congress to do something to change the laws. He actually put it very well when he said this. What were they afraid of? Were they afraid of an 18-year-old kid? This 18-year-old, let's remember, was about 5'5 or 5'6. He was 140 pounds, soaking wet. Were they really afraid of this kid? No. They were afraid of his weapon. That's exactly right. Think about that for a minute. He's exactly right. This was not a this was not a, a question of a good guy with a gun and a bad guy with a gun. They were afraid of the gun. These cops, these sheriffs, these immigration officers, all the people, the these the everyone who, who gathered at that scene one by one. And we know this because there's body camera footage, there's there were cameras going on in the school. And I said, this investigation has been going on a while. You can, you can get access to it very easily. This is two cuts I'm going to play for you now of, of that day. And, you know, sometimes I hear people who are professionals in the business kind of give these kind of warnings. So let me give it to you also. This is kind of some harrowing, harrowing audio. I don't think there's any curse words or anything on it. But it's a it's a difficult thing to listen to. 
And this is, I think they're both from body cameras of people that responded at the time. Let's play cut six and seven back to back, Ava. What sticks out in my mind was the amount of smoke, gun smoke that was inside the hallway. And I told the guys, hey, be careful, we're in the kill zone. Because I knew he had shot through the walls. Careful, guys, shot far. I'm just waiting for those rounds to hit me. It wasn't a pistol, I knew it was a rifle. I was like, it's a rifle. The, the way he was shooting. Take cover, guys. He's probably going to take all of us out. And there are other, there, there are other, there's other audio of them talking about how there's the, 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 he's shooting through the wall like it's paper. Like they didn't want to get close because they, they didn't even think they were safe behind walls. Because the kid had an AR-15. He had a gun that should not be available to civilians. He had a war. As a matter of fact, someone, someone, you know, in all this audio refers to it as, uh, he's, he's, he's got a war fighting weapon in there. They actually, like, refer to it like that. And so there's all kinds of things that were done wrong here. There's no doubt about it. It it, it was treated, as I said, it was treated as a standoff rather than an active shooter situation, which it was. And kids died that day at Robb Elementary School. And I know that there's all kinds of – I don't think virtually no one who was in a position of authority that day still has their job. So it's not a function of just, you know, firing the guys who didn't do their job. And there definitely was that. But if you hear rank and file people who were there, who were doing the interviews, who were saying, remember something, that, you know, one of the pushed, one of the the advocates, one of the primary people that push for tougher controls of, of the sale of these kinds of weapons are the people that confront them most often are law enforcement. You just don't want to have a situation where cops are being outgunned by people by the sheer weaponry that they have. And what this, what again, again, the interviews like the ones you heard interspersed with the audio, the, the, the body camera footage, the live body, the raw body camera footage is available online. You can take a look at it. These guys, they're spending a lot of their time talking about what they're up against, not the kid. That lawyer is exactly right who made that. They weren't afraid of that kid. They were afraid of the gun he was holding. There's no reason why guns like this should be available in a domestic, in a, for domestic sale. And for people who say, well, it's a, Second Amendment right. No, you don't have a Second Amendment right to have a bazooka. We don't have bazookas. Are not You can't buy one of those because we make reasonable assessments. And the people say, you know, how do you decide? Well, let's decide with the one that's popular among all the shooters. Let's start with that one. But, you know, we had in case after case after case, the shooting up in Buffalo, there was a secu- an armed security guard there. There are armed security, something like 80% of the places where there have been these mass shootings, there have been some, there have been uh, uh, armed security involved. So this idea, well, just have an armed person there, it'll protect us all. It doesn't seem to hold up. I mean, I just say that the, the easiest thing to do is just stop a regular American on the street and say, if I, if you heard that of the mass shootings that took place in the United States in the last eight years, 80% of them were done with this one particular weapon. If you ask law enforcement, you know, do you have anything that you're traveling with day-to-day in your car that can stand up to an AR-15? 
you know that that an AR-15 will go through most most body armor that that law enforcement is wearing on on their day-to-day beat. And most people would say, "Listen, it's a reasonable accommodation of the constitutional right to bear arms to say you can't bear every single arm you want at all times." And so the Evaldi report was is was gut wrenching. Um, it's not terribly unusual, except in the sheer inaction that it 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 describes. You know, when when talking about it. Merrick Garland, who released the report, the attorney general, said that the that officers of the scene need to immediately enter the room and stop the shooter with whatever weapons and tools the officers have with them. Yeah, that's clearly the case. But if you have a situation like we had in this case where guys were saying to each other in real time, that guy's got a AR, he's got an AR in there, and that's giving me pause about whether we it's a smart idea for us to go in. I think that should tell you something. That's the, the, I think that should tell, that should tell those of us who are not in law enforcement, who pray every day for those who are, who are grateful every day for those who do put themselves in harm. Where the least we can do, and I say we because government is us, the least we can do is say, let's do what we can to take the most dangerous, commonly used weapon of war, and let's try to take it out of the hands of those that want to do harm to our police and want to do harm to, to, to our neighbors. And unfortunately, in this case, like so many other cases, to our children. Does it answer every question? Does it answer every search situation? Does it answer every yes, but? No. But we frequently are dealing in the realm of doing what we can. And people say, well, why don't we do something about the shooters? That's great. We should. We can do that too. But it's a, it's a combination of things. And in this case, they were not afraid of this kid. Even though we, we, you know, 150 pounds soaking wet kid. But he had enough to kill 21 people. Because for 77 minutes, the cops stood outside, which I'm not sure they would have done if he was in there with a pistol or nunchucks or a knife. I don't think they would have, they would have handled it in that same situation. And frankly, the, the audio bears that out. There's a lot of back and forth about what kind of weapon he has in there. And at some point, cops in the scene deliver some AR-15s to go in there to combat the guy with. It literally is like a war situation. Oh, that guy's got air free. We got to get some. And that, of course, added something like 40 minutes to the wait time because they were waiting for more artillery to come in against this one person with an AR-15. So when we come back, we'll talk a little more about this or anything else you'd like to talk about. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. We're talking about the politics of the day. We're talking about the enduring problems of gun violence. And then at the top of the hour at four o'clock, Curtis Slewa, it's been confirmed is coming in for left versus right, my longtime partner. And he has got, he's starting to clear his throat because he's got to start thinking now about campaign 2025. 
he seems to have won some small victories as Joe Biden has started to change some of his language about immigration. Maybe it's because of how much noise Curtis Lee has been been uh, been making. And also, we'll take a little bit of a look at District 3 on Long Island. It is the most famous congressional race in the country so far in early, the early days of 2024. It's great to have you along in the middle. I'm Anthony Weiner, and we'll see you on the other side. Where did that come from? Someone just pulled out. <laughs> it says, uh, I would tell you who it was. Barbara Lynn. What is that? Who it is? Okay. Listen, it takes, I mean, sometimes I, look, I think I've gotten good enough. This is our 96th episode, I think it is. We have to start planning for our 100th episode. It's gotten good enough that now Ava, he, she's like Cato in, in the Pink Panther. Remember that? Those are, that Peter Sellers, Inspector Clouseau, he is assistant Cato, his trusted assistant Cato. He'd say, when I least expect it, I want you to attack me so I'm always on guard. And so now Ava just will randomly throw some stuff into the cycler, and I have to try to figure out what it is. But welcome back. We're talking a little bit today about the politics of the day. We're also revisiting um, the horrors of 2022, the Uvalde shooting, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Ava is not only throwing out random tracks of music, but she's also running the board and doing a great job at it. I want to uh, remind you again, The Middle Unplugged, episode 65, is now in your feed. If you don't subscribe to that, it's kind of like the show, but we spend a little bit more on one or two issues. In this case, we take the two frozen tundras of Iowa and Davos, Switzerland, and try to combine them, talk a little bit about some of the issues uh, there. And at 4 o'clock, Curtis Lee will comes in for left versus right. Let's go back to the phones. Let's uh, start us off with Nate in the Bronx. Hey, Nate, thank you for holding on. Uh, yes, actually, Anthony, I think you're making, uh, with regard to Uvalde, a specious argument, and let me explain why. Oh, Nate, uh, Nate, to, Nate with, I thought you were going to use your real name when you called in. That I, I'm sticking my sticking to Nate. I mean, that's what they know me as. That I'm, no, I, but that's not the one you said you were going to use when when I. All right, go ahead, Nate. You see, the problem is here's what happens, Nate. I'm going to tell you a little bit behind the curtain here, is that when I let you come on, the other guys who have banned you are like. They're, uh, he's undermining the integrity of the of the station by giving um, by giving Nick the, a different name every time. But go ahead, you, tell me why I'm being specious. Okay, now with regard to Uvalde and other mass shootings uh, that are perpetrated by non minorities, uh, 
I mean, this this kid happened to be a, a Hispanic, but uh, the, the vast majority of them that are committed by white males, for example, uh, they're they're a minority of the uh, close to twenty thousand people were murdered. AR-15s. But bring us back to AR-15s, my brother. All right, but with regard, yeah. Well, hold on. With regard to AR-15s and uh, assault weapons, there's a very distinct reason as to why the Second Amendment provides for private ownership of such weapons. It has nothing to do with the government regulating militias or the government regulating people who want to go hunting. All right, what? Well, go ahead. Give give me your best argument for the AR-15, and I will d- deal with it in its in its proper order. Tell me the best argument you can make for why people should have an AR-15. The AR-15 is to provide people who pay war patriots in this country for, for weapons to defend themselves and their liberty and fellow citizens against, against the police. Against a tyrannical government. I know, but who's the government in this case? It's the police and the military. So you want military weapons to turn against our police and military because the, in pursuit, in pursuit of freedom. Yeah, I totally get it. Nate Belie- or whatever his name is, God knows. Nate believes that, yes, we've got to arm our citizenry because they may someday have to do battle against our police or against our military. So we've got to give them the best possible weapons. Think about that for a moment. Think about that for a moment. That's the argument. Nate is the, is the unwitting, are unwittingly saying the quiet part aloud. Well, we need all these weapons because we may need to turn them on the police someday. Really? Well, what about the rest of us? For whom the police, we believe, are carrying out the the job of the people of the United States of America, and we have to. We hold on. We may need to go to battle with our military also. Okay. Well, what about the people who believe that the men and women who who wear the flag of our country on their uniform are working for us? Then you want to have people armed against them, and I just don't believe that most people believe that. Let's go to Robert in Manhattan. Hey, Robert, welcome back. And I want to make, I want to switch for two subjects, if you don't mind. One is Ukraine and one is Trump. Let me do Trump first. What is this love he seems to have? And it's not only Trump. I have to say this. It's people on your station who love to mock people's names and heritage. Look what he look. I may never vote for Mickey Haley. I know nothing about what she believes and what she doesn't. But now he's 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 he's, he's insulting her heritage. He misread, and I know it's you know it's not an accident. He does it deliberately. He did it with Elizabeth Warren. The right did it with her. They mocked her Native American uh, heritage, possibly. And I don't know this. What what, what is this thing that he? Uh, Trump uh, I'm, I'm going to get uh, uh, Robert. I'm going to let you get your second point in, but let me answer this one. It is a function of not being as evolved as you are. We have deeply ingrained in us from years and years of evolution being suspicious of someone that looks different from us because they might be from a different tribe and are going to try to harm us. Years and years and years, millions of years ago on the, on the, on the plains of the Serengeti, that might have been a thing that was put in us. A more highly evolved person says, I am here now in a different place. I am going to resist the temptation to mock the other, to criticize the other, to use, to call people illegals, to call people vermin, to call people names. It is part of our evolution. Some people are evolved more than other people. Donald Trump is the least evolved person on God's earth. That's my answer to your first part, Robert. Second question, second thing. We're going to have to have a frank discussion on Ukraine. Let me point something out to you. You've read history, so have I. 
Tell me how many Russians were killed in World War II. I'll tell you, 30 million, 20 million of which were civilians. And don't be fooled by the fact, one reason why I support Israel, 170 percent, up, up the ladder and down the, as I said, I haven't seen any Nazi flags in Tel Aviv or Konyanis or, uh, or Jerusalem. We're seeing a lot of Nazi flags in Ukraine, Anthony, and I'm sorry, if I were a Russian, I would be terrified of remembering what the Ukrainian 14th Waffen-SS Totenkopf Division did, what the Galician Division did. And remember one thing, no one in Ukraine was ever punished for what they did to help the Einsatzgruppen. And there are a lot of Russian friends of mine who say, we lost relatives because when the Germans marched in to Kiev in 1941, flowers were thrown at them. You know it, and I know it. And I'm sorry. But I what is it? I, no, I, I, I hear it. But what is that? Here, walk, take the final step with me. So where does that leave the, the, the world today? Does that leave the world today as you think that the Russians were somehow justified in violating this international border and invading their neighbor? Well, I, I, no, but let me ask you a question. The whole business with the, the – okay, here's, here's the question I have. First of all, Zelensky is no Democrat. You know it and I know it. He's, he's in prison, journalists, opposition, and I don't but, know. But, but whether or not Ukraine – but hold on a second. But I'm going to let you finish, Robert. But whether or not Ukraine is some perfect example of, of Jeffersonian democracy is hardly even relevant at this moment, I would argue. I mean, it's interesting, but why is it relevant? No, no, not, not that it's a perfect democracy. I'm hearing a lot of stuff from people who are in Ukraine who are reporting that there are a lot of people sporting the wrong kind of flag. I I'm get sorry. it, but Robert, therefore what? Bring me to the conclusion that you think we should draw as Americans. Well, That, that there are bad people in Ukraine? Okay. A lot of bad people in therefore, Ukraine, a lot what? of bad actors. Therefore what? There, that does not mean that, 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 the, that we want the Russians to win. You don't believe that. Well, what I, well, what I'd like is how about those people in the eastern part of the country who don't want to be under Kiev's control? Do they have any rights? Well, perhaps they they do, but 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 are we then, as the United States of America, going to say just any country that wants to go in and invade their neighbor and try to? Well, I mean, should we say that about about the Arab world that any Shia country that wants to go invade a Sunni country and and liberate all its Sunnis? I mean, th- this is not about, at this point, the, his- the history lessons are interesting. They are, and you brought a really good one. But they're not, they're not actionable right now. For, for me, the situation is very simple. Russia and the United States have different interests. China and the United States have different interests. Both of those two countries have it in their interest to have a situation where people can just kind of roll into their neighboring countries and do whatever they want. China wants to do it with Taiwan. Who knows what, what, what wants, North Korea wants to do with South Korea. Russia wants to do it with Ukraine. Who knows if they want to do it with Poland as well. The United States of America, me as a citizen of the world, I believe that international borders are to be respected. That's why I believe that what Hamas did was a violation. So to say that, okay, but there are lots of nice people in the, in Gaza, or there are lots of nice people in China, or there are lots of nice, but bad people in Taiwan does not change what the U.S. interest here is. And the U.S. interest is international borders get respected and we don't let people march over them. And I'll let you get the last word. Well, all I can, all I can say is that I have a lot more, I sleep a lot more at night realizing that supporting Israel is worth it. 
what I think for, for I think for Ukraine is we have to have a frank discussion as to what uh, is expected if there is a ceasefire and the Russians withdraw from the country uh, in in uh, uh, you know take their troops out. But some some things have to be recognized, Anthony, and I feel a lot better in supporting Israel right now than I do in supporting Ukraine. That's that's, my that's total. That's totally reasonable. I appreciate it, Robert. That was an excellent call. You're going to get the the the, the call of the week. That was an excellent job, George in New York City. Hey, George. Hi there. Hi, Anthony. Uh, re- regarding Ukraine, uh, I'm calling uh, vis-a-vis Obamas uh, because they're waiting. I think in reference. Uh, of uh, uh, in re- I mean in rever- uh, in, rever- uh, in reverence rather to uh, President Biden, the Obamas I think are patiently but anxiously waiting for him to announce his decision, and then uh, uh, Michelle Obama right would step in and run, and uh, I think he uh, she would have a great chance of beating Trump uh, or the. Uh, whoever the opponent might be, in view of the fact that uh, she would uh, be, uh, come the first woman president. And, of course, um, blacks, uh, let's be realistic, the vast majority of them would gladly vote for her, and women to the majority would George, vote George, for her. George, can I, can I ask you, since you've thought this through, how does Michelle Obama get on the ballot in the primaries? Well, she would... Uh, uh, become uh, uh, she would be chosen as uh, the uh, candidate uh, for the Democrats. Yeah, how how would that happen? What do you mean? How would that happen? Well, we're having prim- we're, we're ha- she's not going to be on the ballot in any primary, so she's not going to have any delegates. Uh, okay, when is the deadline for the primary? As of March, as of March, about thirty-five states will have no more opportunities for people to get on the ballot. About thirty-five states. So it's basically now. She's going to do it. She's going to do it now. If if uh, maybe, uh, well, uh, let's take it uh, a little uh, differently. You know, if uh, uh, by the deadline, President uh, uh, Biden does not uh, officially announce uh, uh, that he's not running. Right. Then she would step in anyhow. No, Uh, no, no. There's no stepping in goes on in our country. We choose people in primaries. Now, there is a scenario where if the president doesn't run for whatever reason, he, he expires or he changes his mind, then there are ways at the convention, for example, that something could happen. But I don't I don't think that it's it's very likely. It's probably more likely that that happens on the Republican side than the Democratic side. But here's what I will say, George, and this comes up a lot. I hear this on the station. Oh, my God, so much. If the people are so confident you're going to beat Joe Biden, why are you hunting around for other candidates? Why are you fanning the flames of other candidates? It's going to be these are the candidates. They suck, but they're going to be the candidates. I mean, this idea, who are you going to put in? Who's going to get put in? Here's the way it breaks down, loosely speaking. There's really three big blocks of time, okay? One is from now till about March before the deadlines have closed to get on the ballot. If the president, if if Donald Trump or if um, Joe Biden decide they're not going to run, there's still time in about a third of the states to get on the ballot. Then people jump in and they can try to put together organizations to get on the ballot. Then the next tranche of time is is the convention. Okay. Then both parties have a fair amount of flexibility 
about what they do. But the delegates that have been chosen for Trump and for Biden are pledged to those to those people. They can't just I mean, it's a little tougher to get out from under it in the Republican Party than it is in the Democratic Party. But they basically have they so they it's not so easy just to say, oh, I changed my mind. I'm not going to do Biden anymore. Then the third time is what happens if there's a vacancy after ballots are printed, but before votes have been cast? What if one of them goes to prison or one of them expires or something? Then it gets really difficult. Then it becomes state by state. They all have different things. We have something in New York State called the Committee on Vacancies, believe it or not. So then it can be just about about anything. So it all depends on when it happens, but it ain't happening. It's Trump v. Biden. And it's about probably 53, 47. Biden is the final count. And Joe Biden serves another four years. And we'll be back for a little bit more of the middle right after this break. Do anything for you. Just don't mistreat me. And I'll be good to you. Because if you should lose me. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. Good thing. That's fine. Young Cannibals bring us back in. The voice of Roland Gift. I mentioned this before. If you, uh, Barry Levinson had this trilogy of movies that started with Diner and then included uh, Once Upon a Time in America or something like that. No, what was it? It was – and there was a third one called Tin Men. And uh, in that movie, they featured – the actual Fine Young Cannibals performing at a bar where the Tin Men were hanging out and talking. So it was a brief look at Roland Gift and the guys. It's also, those are some of the guys from English Beat went on to perform in uh, Fine Young Cannibals. So we're uh, we're doing a couple of, let's do one more call about Michelle Obama. Wendy in Huntington, what do you want to add to this conversation? Yeah, well, I wanted to talk about how how evolved the leadership is on the Democratic side, but from as far as Michelle Obama is concerned, my understanding that if Biden wins the primary and he's the uh, candidate, he could resign. And that what happens after he's already accepted and won and then he resigns, then the Democrats can pick whoever they want. Well, not re- well, if you if he decide if, if you have already it depends on when it happens. So if he's literally on the ballot in that the ballots have already been printed and deadlines have passed. And I've explained this on the on the radio before. The, the states for running elections 
There are 50 state laws in 50 states. That's why the president is now in trouble in so many different states because they all have their own state laws on administering elections. So all of them have deadlines after which the the ballot becomes final, that you're on it or you're not on it, and it's final. That's part of what's prompting all of these conversations about the 14th Amendment disqualifying Donald Trump because secretaries of states and boards of elections have to finalize the ballots for the primaries, finalize the ballots then for the general election. So it depends on when it happens. Now, it's not going to happen. I actually don't mind this exercise because it's a good reminder that people think, okay, there's some big room somewhere where a bunch of Democrats sit around deciding what's going to happen in the world. At the end of the day, it if it is this kind of situation where the voters have already voted and they say we choose um, – we choose Joe Biden. In most cases, though the election and nomination of the president and vice president are two separate things. So it would not automatically be that that it goes to Kamala Harris. But practically speaking, it would. That's what would happen is that everyone would say, well, we just got to go to the next person in charge. That's Kamala Harris. Because remember something, it's not you you the, the the if that scenario happens it's because and i this is a, a terrible thing to say but if that situation happens it's because the president has had some debilitating thing happen to him and god forbid that he does and the same goes for for donald trump i hope that they both they they live and be well but that's the only scenario that i can foresee that that would happen but it's not an automatic thing that you just go ahead and pick somebody it's not that kind of thing and if you're going to it would probably be the first thing you're going to look to are people that got um, votes at the convention that had delegates. That's why I said earlier, if I'm Nikki Haley, I stick around to the bitter end. Even if it means I collect like, you know, 100 out of 2,500 delegates, I still do it just so I'm in the person to say I came in second. And I, I was here in all 50 states, that kind of thing. But did you have another point you wanted to make, Wendy? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't think Biden's debilitated? All right, that's a whole nother conversation. But the other well, thing I do, I, I think I think he's is, I think he's here. But let me answer the question. I think he's old, and I think he, he makes verbal gaffes from time to time. But he doesn't seem to be, you know, he looks like he's old. Sometimes Donald Trump, Donald Trump thinks Nikki Haley and Nancy Pelosi says four times in a sentence. I mean, man, oh man, that's crazy. Don't you think? When does that worry you as a supporter of of Donald Trump? No, what worries me are all of the wars that we're going through of all of the people that are coming into the country without being checked out who they are. But at least you and I can agree that we like the same music. <laughs> okay, so the the other thing, comment I wanted to make was regarding um, who's evolved and unevolved as uh, someone who's running for office. And, um, you know, if you take a look at, all the comments that many, many past presidential comments have made, they've made some really doozies. You just have to take a look back and it's really entertaining. So um You mean you mean people that, that have made people I, that have made mistakes. No, people that have made comments against their opponents. So you might think that maybe Donald Trump's a Neanderthal, but I think he's amazing at getting right to the point. And people understand exactly what he's talking uh, about. You know, but here's what the thing is, right at the point not to it, but Wendy, I mean, I think what the previous caller, whose name escapes me at the moment, Robert, I think it was, the point he was making is why he attacks people personally, why he says they're not they're not from this country, why they make fun of their names, why he makes fun of their disability. That's very different than saying my opponent is a bum. 
It's it's just it's a very different. And and the point I was making about evolution is that we all know people in our lives, Wendy, who when we when we confront someone who's different than us, the instinct is to kind of attack them, demean them, put them down. I think a sign of an evolved people and a sign of an evolved person is someone who doesn't see someone different to them and be like DeSantis and say, let's attack this person. And to be like Donald Trump, says, let's attack that person. And to be something like a lot of people who are like, let's attack that person because they're different than us. I think an evolved person says, you know what? That might be something that's deep in my DNA because I used to have to do that to, to, to protect myself back when we were just walking upright. We don't need to do that anymore. We're more evolved than that. We can see people's differences and not let them freak us out. I guess we can't all be as evolved as President Biden and his racist comments. Okay. You, you can get the last word on that, Wendy. I appreciate your calling. An excellent call. I really do appreciate it. Uh, next, let's go to Amy in New Jersey. Hi, Amy. Welcome. Hi, Anthony. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for calling. Good. I, I want to just first say that I learned so much from you uh, listening to you, and I, wanna, and I appreciate that. Thank you. I, 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 I learn a lot from the callers as well. Oh, good. I hope you learn from me because I have to disagree with you and um, Uvalde, which was a terrible tragedy in it. It, um, I, I just want to let you know that. But uh, with in regards to your comments on the AR-15, you're making some. Um, I guess you're you're not really educated. I guess you could say because the AR-15 is not semi-automatic. It's 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 not fully automatic, um, and it's really people say weapon of war. The the ones that are used in the military are fully automatic. The ones that you can go apply and go by they're they're not uh and it they they're much more devastating and um i guess for let's say they're stronger rounds there's the 357 there's a 308 rifle right but you can but first of all semi-automatic is pretty is is is, it's a lot of bullets also being fired and for about 60 bucks you can you can convert it with a bump stock to make it into an, an automatic right can you make can you make it semi-automatic with a bump stock? No, I'm saying that you can make it virtually automatic with a bump stock added. But, but Amy, let me ask They're you a illegal, question. But th- th- those are illegal, though. R- r- and you, r- r- and you can, for attack, you to, to go buy one that is semi-automatic, they're twenty to $30,000. Well, hold on a second. But, Amy, Amy, hold on a second. Do you support a bump stock being um, being illegal? Oh, yeah. I, okay. I, I now, but why? But why do you support that? Control. Because it would make the gun too dangerous, right? And hard to control. Correct, correct. So you do believe that we should have regulations around weapons that are too dangerous? Uh, yes, Amy. You, 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 the answer is yes. And so do I. So now the no. only question becomes, which ones? And this is the one that's the one in choice that is killing our children. That's all it is. It's. If you want to take that one away, then you're going to have to take them all away because so many people use this certain weapon for things, haunting. People use them for the – you have to it's, – it's, it's a very useful weapon. It's just the one that is unfortunately used in these crimes. Right. And that's that's – but, that, but, Amy, here's the thing, and I totally get it. I know that some people like to know this. I think I've told the story before. My late brother, Seth, of blessed memory, he was a licensed gun dealer, believe it or not, in my family. And he would explain these types of things to me all the time, that like that, it, that, that, that people look at a gun and see two different things. 
when if depending upon what your cultural position is. I totally get that. But you and I, Amy, are much closer than I think you realize. That we all believe that a bump stock should be illegal. We all agree that a bazooka should be illegal. And the question then becomes, well, okay, there are other things that are out there or there are other weapons that are worse or a lot of people own them and do perfectly good things with them. I say if it has become the gun of choice of a certain group of people that are killing our children, that's a good enough reason to consider it too dangerous. And that, unfortunately, is where I come down on it. And, Amy, I don't think you and I – are that far apart on it. And we'll be right back to wrap up hour number two and then left versus right with Curtis Leewood, four o'clock. Stick around. We got a lot to talk about. to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. Welcome back to the middle. That's the cast of Rent. Remember that play? That's Rosario Dawson, I think, singing there. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Uh, This is the middle. I'm bringing you to 4 o'clock. Curtis Lee, we're coming in for left versus right. We're going to renew our... Maybe he can explain what's going on here. I've heard it around the station a little bit that now that John has gotten into the ring with me and we've gone round and round, some people think that he won all three rounds, but I'm, I'm not so sure, that now... Some of the other guys that have been a little bit soft, like, you know, Greg Kelly and Bo Snurdly and Rudy, these other guys who, who refuse to get into the ring with me, maybe they're going to start since it's 2024. as a campaign season. And I think that we have seen that they, you know, here at, at Talk Radio 77, they put their money where their mouth is when they say they want both sides because they could have gotten someone else. They could have had someone, you know, who was going to be kind of fake it. But no, you can tell I, I mean the stuff I say and I say the stuff I mean. Jerry from New Jersey. Jerry, are you calling because I asked earlier why Fannie Willis case, why this thing matters here? Explain it to me. Yeah, well, let me give me one minute, though. And if you say something, please, for once, give me a chance to rebut it. I'd like to. So here's the reasons. First, a prosecutor has discretion to charge or not to charge. She decided to charge. OK, but she had to look at at least five or six issues. And on all of them, she had to find that a jury would be willing to convict him beyond a reasonable doubt or she's not even supposed to prosecute. And here are some of the issues. First. She's saying, yes, this is an insurrection. Well, you know, an insurrection is like arms to overthrow a government. These people were protesters and you have some rioters. But, OK, we'll say OK to that. 
Well, Fannie Willis, hold on, Jerry, let me just stop you, because Fannie Willis's case is not dependent on being an insurrection. It's implied in what she's trying to do when it comes to the next thing, where she's trying to say that Trump edged on people. No, no, Jerry, you have the wrong case. The Fannie Willis case is about fake electors and trying to stop the Georgia votes from being counted as they were supposed to be voted by putting in fake electors, even though the president and his followers knew that they didn't win Georgia. Are you telling me that she's not going against Trump's speech? No. Let's, no, as part of the evidence in the case in the indictment is that it does have Trump being told over and over and over again by officials in Georgia and by his own campaign that, no, you lost the election and we already have our electors because they're going to vote for Joe Biden. He or- organized an effort to overturn the will of the people of Georgia. That's why it's a Georgia state case. It doesn't rely upon it being an insurrection. Actually, Anthony, on this one thing, you're absolutely correct, because I was actually thinking there's so many cases. You no, there are, are. There are. There are a lot to keep track. Jack Smith. They're, they're like, I right. was really talking about the Jack Smith case. And the Jack Smith case does not accuse him of insurrection. That's correct. He doesn't. The Jack Smith case. OK, he's saying things such as they Trump people uh Where's the right to I don't understand where Trump doesn't have a right to free speech. He does. He has the right to free speech. But wait a minute. But wait a minute. He has the right to. But let's remember what's going on here, Jerry. This is after the courts in all 50 states have decided that their votes were final. And then Donald Trump was then calling up government officials using the government job that he had to try to get them to not do the free transition of government. That's a crime. You can't do that. Here's where the problem is. It's political motivation. It looks too damn good, 91 charges. It's politically motivated. Fani, what I wanted to say is because on Fani, what I was thinking is her credibility is gone on her discretion. Her and that other guy. I know, but what is that, Jerry? But maybe you can explain to me since you seem to know better than I. What does that have to do with the case? You mean, oh, well, I'm thinking, how can the two of them possibly be trusted in what they're doing if they're getting remuneration? He's unqualified. According Wait, to what the lawyers, doing. lawyers get paid to be lawyers. I don't. That's the part. The part is, and Jerry, I appreciate the call. What she's accused of is that she and another lawyer who are working on the case were romantically involved. I get it. I don't think you should do that. I think it's complicated. I get it. But what does that have to do with whether Donald Trump committed a crime? I mean, that's the part I don't get. Listen, it's really great that everyone's been on the calls. Where it's amazing today. Ava was great. Nick was great taking the calls. Um, we really do appreciate you being along. We covered a lot of ground politically. We covered a lot of ground around the Second Amendment and other things. If you like what you heard or you missed any part of it, you can listen to this as a podcast. Feel free to share that. Coming up at 4 o'clock, left versus right, me and Curtis Leo. A campaign 2025 is underway, and one of us, who knows, maybe two of us, will be involved in that race, but we're going to talk about it first. Stick around after the break. <laughs> 